saltier politics this week julie will explain that she lost the bet to game of thrones i did i did lose that bet to you and um let me just say that i think i partially made up for it by taking you out last night and um so i'm a little hazy this morning because (laughs) as i walked in here to record this i said emily did we really did i did i remember that we actually did tequila shots last night in some dive bar in the village because that can't possibly be true when you confirm that, yes, in fact, things had gotten so off the rails that we were doing shots of Patron. Yes, yes, Julie, but also I think it was to dull my ennui about the awfulness of that Game of Thrones oh, episode God. because not only did Jon Snow, in the wussiest way possible, kill Danny, but we have Bran on the throne. Here's my deal with Bran on the throne. I have, ma- I have many issues about this, but let me just get this out there. So they decide to come up with some sort of weirdo um, Holy Roman Empire model of governance for Westeros, which means that the, the individual kingdoms will get together and determine the Holy Roman Emperor slash the, the king of the six um, nations and the Andals and the First Men. So they decide they're going to do this Holy Roman Empire type structure which is fine until I realized, and I think I'm not the only one who, who this occurred to, is that the last Three-Eyed Raven was like 900 years old, and the only reason he died was because the Night King came for him. Ostensibly, the Night King is not coming for anybody anymore unless the first men decide to create um, another Night King, which I, I don't know if there are any children of the forest left um, to, to do that. So... You're talking essentially about a guy who's not a dictator for life. You're talking about a guy who's a dictator for all eternity, since I don't know that Bran is actually mortal anymore, judging by the last three-eyed raven. So these dopes, instead of coming up with some sort of great parliamentary, quasi-parliamentary electoral college, Holy Roman Empire system, just put a dictator in there, not for life, but for all eternity. And who's to say that Bran, who's already crazy and wacko, nobody wants to hang out with him, including his own sisters is not going to get even more bizarro wacko as time goes on. Like, what? <laughs> and, and Sansa, no need to worry about Bran not being able to have children because he'll never die. Right. And when Tyrion told them about having the most interesting story, he Bran has the least interesting story of oh every single person sitting up there. The, I most, was like, the most interesting thing about Bran was when he got thrown out of the tower right. in the first episode. I, listen, the whole st- that was so bad... It was so god-awful, and what's even more awful, Emily, is the fact that you won your bet, not because you won your bet. I'm very, very happy that we ended up doing shots of Patron last night <laughs> and drinking what I think was really cheap red wine. Uh, is that what? I don't even know. No, we weren't. I'm sorry. We were drinking vodka sodas, vodka sodas which is why I went off the rails. <laughs> I, I don't even know. God. But what I think is so fascinating about this whole Game of Thrones scenario is that you were right, which is so lame that you were right. I didn't want to be right. I didn't want you to be right either. Like the reason I bet against it is because I said it would be too obvious for Jon Snow to kill Danny. It's just, they, they can't be that lame. And sure enough, as he's doing this Gone with the Wind with Atlanta burning, bend kiss with her, it's like, okay, I mean, whatever. The, the best part of that whole... <laughs> That's part of that episode when she's doing her Nuremberg rally, <laughs> Lenny Riefenstahl movie, oh my God. <laughs> speaking to the crazy Dothrakis, who, by the way, didn't they all die? 
I thought they had all died, but apparently a, apparently, lot, a lot had survived. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and then I think I said this on Twitter. She's turning into somebody like a Bolshevik circa 1919, 1920, where she's murdering everybody to bring a better way of life to, you know, society. Um, I, I don't know. The whole The whole story was so dumb. And I feel like at the end, too, it's, of course, men writing it because you had the woman go crazy. And although everybody's saying there were signs of her going crazy throughout the other seasons, but... I felt like they tried to do things to disprove Danny losing it. Yeah, well, look, I mean, let's put it this way. Danny, if you think about it, I don't know if I agree with that because Danny was always doing crazy stuff for the quote-unquote greater good, like when she crucified the slave masters um, in order to free the slaves, in order to make an example of of that. Um, So Danny was always kind of had a penchant for, for doing nutbag stuff for the quote-unquote greater good, so I guess you just take this to its most extreme conclusion. But, and then also Bran at the end saying, oh, let me, let me, shall I take a look where, where what the dragon did with her? Oh. Well, how about you clue us, are we doing a spinoff? Is this why we had all this weirdo Oh, also, stuff? I love how Arya became ninja assassin and now is Dora the Explorer. Because she was such a badass, and now she's going to look. So is the whole point of Arya training with the faceless men purely to have killed Walder Frey? I, you know what I think so because in what an underwhelming <laughs> of all the of all the people she could have killed as a faceless man woman it, it's him. And also Bran's ability to warg into animals. Why didn't Bran warg into a dragon? That, that would have been incredible. And help out. Oh, I don't know. Anybody at any point in any battle, rather than hanging out like that a drug addict so- <laughs> underneath that, that weird that, that tree, that would have been extremely cool and totally added to the. Because I feel one of the coolest parts about Game of Thrones is after the episode, I'd be like, "What just happened?" This, I was more like, "Did that just happen?" I was so underwhelmed. I was so bummed. And the only thing I can say is, George R. R. Martin is still writing these books. I don't know if he'll ever finish them, but hopefully he will give us the ending that we all deserve. Because I feel like when they started going off script with these books, once the books were done, they kind of, they're, they're just not that good. I mean, it just, it's, it's almost like when Larry David left Seinfeld and you realized how crucial he was to Seinfeld because the, the seasons after he left weren't that great. I mean, they were still great, but they weren't as good as when Larry David was there. Same thing here, I feel like. Once they started going off the books, it really didn't turn out to be as good. So I don't know. All I can tell you, is that I was super bummed. Well, I did think of a better love story than Jamie and Cersei. Jack and Rose from Titanic. <laughs> what about Jack and Rose from Titanic? They're a better love story than Cersei and Jamie Lannister. No, nothing's a better love story than Cersei and Jamie Lannister. You know how I feel about Cersei and Jamie Lannister. <laughs> well, I also wish they had become White Walkers at the end. When Tyrion was going through the rubble, I wish their eyes opened and they became blue. But... By the way, I love how they have a... a, a castle fall on top of them but their faces are completely intact when he looks up like not even a broken nose nothing not even no. a bloody nose no just not even a crushed eye socket uh-uh they were crushed everywhere else except their face i know i know but you know how i feel about jamie lannister i, I love him i get we'll just have to agree to disagree on that one how do you not love jamie Lannister? like jamie lannister is fantastic he he did grow on me throughout the season though because and just... and brianne of tarth i gotta say girlfriend you've got to figure out how to be a better woman scorned because let me tell you if some guy slept with me 
I and then well, ditched me for his sister. Yeah. I wouldn't be writing hagiographies about him and his death. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would use that as an opportunity to um, write something quite different. Oh yes, I would have taken some liberties as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be like he died protecting his queen. I'd be like he died protecting the sister that he was sleeping with whom he left me for after using and abusing my body for a couple of nights right and taking my virginity i mean poor Grianne of tarth you know what i didn't even think of that but you are absolutely correct on yeah that. i would have taken a lot of liberties and written just a nice little fun a lot of vignettes about jamie yeah i don't know it's just i'm i'm the whole thing is just very bizarre you have this whole virgin queen sansa Elizabeth I, kind of red hair, putting the crown on her head. I mean, the whole thing was just, uh, yeah. And you've got little, you know, Magellan Stark there going off to find America, <laughs> where she's going to set up a colony in James, uh, Jamestown. I mean, I don't even know. It's just, uh, the whole thing was ridiculous. And then, are we supposed to believe that Jon Snow just became a wildling? I think so. I mean... So what's the point of him being a Targaryen? No point. Because... There's no ending to that. Okay, like... And also, I would think maybe Drogon would have gone to him now, the next living Targaryen heir. Yes. And by the way, what in the history of the show leads one to believe that either the Dothraki or the Unsullied are going to let bygones be bygones when the queen gets killed? Oh, okay. Because precedent shows that they are not forgiving peoples i don't understand warriors. how he kills her and they're like mm, okay yeah let's is, let's go back to essos yeah and, and gray worm just giving a scowl that's, yeah that that's revenge enough and by the way who gave gray worm a seat at the table anyway why does he have an opinion like who cares about gray worm's opinion about this he's a soldier i mean ultimately right. like he's not one of the noble houses and, well because are they listening to danny who made him the uh, i guess the general of all her armies no he's dead yeah. i mean she's dead nobody cares about her anymore right. I mean, they don't have to and some of the people who showed up at that war council which by the way how did they all get down there who summoned them like right. who, who called them maybe maybe bran psychotic bran is like <laughs> why do you think why do you think why do you think i came all this way why do you think i planned this all from the start he's on a couple sparrows yeah <laughs> a couple of sparrows a couple crows and who gave i mean who gave some of these people a seat at the table like, why does Sam Tarly get a seat at the table? House, house, Tarly, house Tarly wasn't that important. His house is like a little hut. It doesn't matter in the yeah. grand scheme of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I don't get why he gets a seat at the table. I, I don't... guess the winners write history, and he wrote himself a bigger part. Yeah, and the part where he's talking about Tyrion, he's like, I just wrote this book. Or not, he didn't write this book. The, the, the maester, the grand maester. At the Citadel wrote this book. You're not in it at all, Tyrion. Why wouldn't Tyrion be in it? Tyrion is crucial right. to this whole story I guess from start to finish. That was his punishment. You're written out, but... His punishment should be that he shouldn't be the hand to any king because he's really bad at it. Right. He's made a lot of crucial mistakes. I mean, every king that he served from Joffrey to, to Danny, any ruler he served... He's been really bad at it. Well, I guess Bran is a great person for him to be hand to because Bran won't listen. He'll just sit there and... He'll sit there and be in his acid trip. Right. And think about the past like anybody cares. Yeah, I'm Bran. I don't know. Anyway, I'm very disappointed. I'm not happy about it. Let's move on. I'm going to pretend Game of Thrones. Um, This last season did not exist, and I will wait for the books to 
give us a better ending. All righty. So moving on to Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson and his display of ignorance and condescension as he testified before the Financial Services Committee this week. What I would like to do is start with a dramatic reading. Again, with our girl, Katie Porter. I know. She has really been coming through. And so pretty much he was there to defend a budget proposal that would cut 16.4% from HUD's budget. But um, what we saw was, again, ignorance. So, Julie, you read the part of Katie Porter, and I'll read Carson. Okay. So this is Katie Porter. I'd like... I'd also like you to get back to me, if you don't mind, on the disparity of REO rates. Do you know what an REO is? Oreo? No, no, not an Oreo, an R-E-O. Then, even when he had a, has a handle on the acronym, it became painfully clear that Carson, the secretary of HUD, isn't familiar with the term. Real estate? What does the O stand for? Organization? Owned. Real estate owned. So that was really embarrassing. And then Carson responded to this whole thing. Um, if you saw on Twitter by sending her a package of double stuffed Oreos. Um, you know, um, this is how does housing and urban development. The, this is for people who are essentially living hand to mouth every day and are among the least fortunate among us. And the fact that you have a a former doctor with absolutely no credentials whatsoever running this is bad enough, but the fact that you also have a former surgeon who has had zero interest in studying up on what he needs to study up on is really upsetting to me. Let me, you know, the nice thing about having been at Fox all those years is you get to meet all these people and get to know them. And, and Carson was unoutnumbered with us a number of times. And I have to say, there were some people who came through outnumbered who were just fantastic at a personal level. Um, I may not agree with them at all, but they were just wonderful people on a personal level. Um, ben Carson was possibly the most arrogant person I've ever met in my life. And I, I can't describe to you the level of arrogance. And I think partially it's because he was such a brilliant surgeon. And I think when you have the ability to save lives and, and really have your hand in life and death matters that, that might make you think that you're somewhat of a special human being. But I think it's that kind of arrogance that also leads you to not think that you have to do things the way other people do, like to steady up on things. Right. Like, and, and, and the fact that it's unforgivable, especially given his, you know, he went to medical school. He can, he, he knows a lot. He has, his brain capacity can handle maybe not being a pro at housing and urban development, he could certainly read on the main points. And that's what's so disgusting to me, that he simply doesn't know what the main terms are. I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is just absurd. Also, another part that was interesting, he didn't know what AMWI was, um, which stands for the Office of Minority and Women Inclusion. Um, for, and Ohio Rep Joyce Beatty asked him, so I, I will be Ohio Rep Beatty, and you can, is that how you say it, Beatty? I think it's Beatty. Beatty, um, Ohio Rep Beatty, and uh, you, be, you be Carson on this one. Okay. Are you familiar with Amway and what it is? With who? Amway. Amway? <laughs> I don't understand. What do you do all day long? This is your job. You have one job. <laughs> it's, I think he's just phoned in. He just, he has a position. He has a new position given, and he'll pretty much do... President Trump's bidding and 
But I don't, it's, it's for your own self gratification. I mean, just, just to get up and know that you're doing the job that you're doing or why do the job? I mean, you're obviously not interested in it. So what is it? Is it the title? What, what's it for? I think it has to be the title. What I really felt like I missed out on is during this, because I remember during, well, you're at Fox, where oftentimes were these meetings or con- would these committee uh, testimonies would happen, is they would have you sitting on the side kind of giving commentary. Mm-hmm. And what I'm really missing here is that side-by-side cam facial expression as this was happening <laughs> from a Julie <laughs> as to what. As to what would have happened at this moment. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Did, Amway or, Amway or did, Oreo? Did Fox run? The, I don't know. Do they run these kinds of hearings? I don't know if this would merit um, breaking from regular programming. Term. Maybe it did. But I, that would have been. That, that was, I felt like I missed out on yeah, that. Yeah. I just, you know, really um, I, the other failure is really the failure of staff. Or maybe it's not the failure of staff. Maybe it's the principal who just doesn't want to be prepped. But typically... Um, I know this from working in DC, when you testify on the Hill, you do a lot of your staff really spends a lot of hours prepping you for testimony. And he clearly was not prepped. Now, whether it's because the staff fell down on the job prepping him on all these issues or because he thought he was so brilliant that he didn't need preparation. I can totally see that with Ben Carson, but I wonder if he's got the the self-awareness to even be embarrassed about this or whether he's thinking, Oh, I'm this brilliant surgeon at Johns Hopkins and I've saved lives, and I've had movies made about me, and so I don't really need to be embarrassed about this, and I don't need to be prepared, and I don't need to do, I don't, I don't know. The whole thing is very, very troubling to me, and it's troubling to me not even because I disagree with the policy that this administration has, but because they surround themselves with just such mediocre people. Right. And lest anybody sit there and tweet me about how brilliant Ben Carson is, that's true. He's a brilliant surgeon, but you don't need to be a brilliant surgeon to run HUD. You need to be a really good executive of a department and be really aware of what that department does. And what this says to me is that Ben Carson has not a clue about what he's doing. I mean, I I feel like we have no choice but to talk about abortion because it's continuing to be more and more of a nightmare with what's going on around the country. Right. And it's it's been absolutely horrific and one of the articles that i was reading on it was uh from rolling stone from jamil smith and he pretty much it was about the harm done for white men the new attacks on roe versus wade are about protecting men and not women and i'd love to hear what you think about this and i think you've talked about it before but it has been plain for a while now that the anti-abortion cause has nothing to do with actual deities or morality. If it did, it wouldn't put the lives of doctor, patients, and clinic employees in jeopardy to make its argument. States would be more concerned with their terrible infant mortality rates than they would, uh, would about saving fetuses. Ending reproductive rights in America has never been about anything holy. Um, it was born to keep white patriarchy alive, and it is white men who are the primary beneficiaries of such policies. Look, when you're threatening to put women in prison or doctors, you know, you're threatening to put doctors in prison to perform abortions for 99 years. I don't think any rapist has gotten a sentence like that, typically. Um, And what you're essentially doing is saying that doctors who, uh, let's use a hypothetical because rape and incest are not exclusionary in this legislation in Alabama. If you're a 12-year-old girl and you get raped by your dad, um, and you get pregnant, and you don't even know 
for a while, whether you are or you aren't pregnant because you're a 12 year old girl and you know, you're not as in tune with your body as, as, as a 30 year old woman. Uh, and you find a doctor to get, get you an abortion. That doctor is going to spend more time in prison than the 35 year old dad who raped his 12 year old daughter. That's just unconscionable. Right. And so, of course, you're protecting men. And by the way, I, you know, I posted this on Twitter and I got tons of pushback. And I think people just didn't read the article before commenting on it. But guess what? Women can't get pregnant on their own. Right. I Every s- unwanted pregnancy is because of a guy. Right. It's just, it's just, a, it's a fact. And the only people being punished here are the women. Guys aren't being punished. Right. And there's, there's no, you know, have financial obligation if it's the man getting the woman pregnant. Like, we're, we're, it all falls on the woman. Because so many times also abortions happen and the guy who got the woman pregnant doesn't know. True. Um, I know somebody who got a woman pregnant, um, not when I was in high school, but somebody who, when this man was in high school, got a girl pregnant. And... Uh, she did, she had the baby, um, and he went off to college and lived his best life and then went to law school and, you know, he was loving life. She did not have that opportunity because guess who the baby stayed with and guess who... Right, it, f- it falls yeah, on the woman. Falls, it always falls on the woman. I mean, I shouldn't say always, but 99% of the time it falls on the woman or if she's got very supportive parents, it falls on the parents. And I don't understand why we are doing this at a time when we should be focusing on, oh, I don't know, prevention. Absolutely. Again, the same states that do this also teach abstinence only as a method of birth control, which has been proven scientifically not to work. I hate to break this to people. People will have sex. They just will. And the best way to avoid pregnancy is make sure that they have birth control and they understand what their birth control options are. Make it a really rare procedure. And... Most people who have an abortion, if not all people who have an abortion, a late-term abortion, have it because though they want the child desperately, there's something so awful about the health of this child or the threat to the health of the mother that they have no choice. And I've talked about this on this podcast before. I had a very, very good friend. Um, he and his wife were in their third trimester and had to were desperate for a third baby, which is what this baby would have been. And in, towards the very end of the pregnancy, found out that um, th- that this baby was going to live for a very short period of time after birth and then die in awful, excruciating pain. Uh, and so they decided that they did not want to put their child through that. They went to Dr. Tiller, if you remember George Tiller, when he was still alive before um, he was killed, um, and, and got that treatment. And they said as they were walking up the driveway to Dr. Tiller's office, they were protesters screaming at them that they were baby murderers and that they were going to burn in hell and this is a couple that desperately and I mean desperately wanted this baby they wanted a healthy baby but the baby was just not viable for much longer after its birth and so that's what people have to realize that that you're contending with um and again these policies are made largely to harm minority and poor women because you can overturn Roe versus Wade all you like. The state of New York will still have abortion. 
And so um, if you are a affluent woman living in Alabama who chooses not to continue on with her pregnancy, you will get on a plane and fly to a place like New York, California. But if you are a poor woman um, living in a rural part of the state, you will have no choice but to use a coat hanger if you want to terminate that pregnancy, thereby killing yourself potentially. Um, and uh, again, this is just awful. It's anti-women. And by the way, all those affluent white women that voted for Donald Trump, I hope you understand now that this is a direct correlation because the reason Alabama is passing these laws now is because they think that Brett Kavanaugh, his Supreme Court appointee, will uphold, um, not uphold, will, will vote to overturn Roe versus Wade. So all you women in Pennsylvania who thought Hillary Clinton was um, a horrible choice and that you were going to take your chances on Donald Trump, there you go. And I hope you remember that for 2020. Um, vastly more women and people in general oppose this legislation in Alabama than support it. And I hope that they remember that come election day 2020. I have one more point. Like, if we assume the argument of the other side, and let's say that this is murder, because I'm trying to just think of this from all angles, when do we draw the line? Because I, due to the wording of the, of the bill, every sexually active woman would be committing murder because the heartbeat can be detectable just a week after fertilization. And so if they, and they'll lose it during their period. So no, the, the law doesn't make sense uh, because most, most fertilized eggs are expelled. And the problem is that women trying to conceive a baby is murdering according to these laws. Well, also, what if you have a miscarriage, right? What right. if you have, so here's my That's, question. If you have a miscarriage, here, here's a crazy scenario. A lot of women don't know that they're pregnant right away. Most women, I think, don't know unless they go through IVF and really are monitoring themselves with a doctor all the time, don't know that they're pregnant. Um, and I'm trying to remember, I think it's like, you don't really go even see your doctor um, I, I, unless you're, you're OBGYN. I, at least I think when you're eight weeks pregnant is the first time you do it, two months. I mean, it's, it's a very long period of time before you actually get to see a doctor when you're pregnant. So um, what I find very interesting is, let's say that you're out there living your life and you're drinking, um, as people do. Um, and sometimes you drink a little too much as you and I did last night. Um, and let's hypothetically say that we were in Alabama and, um, one of us was pregnant, but didn't know it. And, uh, we ended up, that woman ended up, one of us ended up having a miscarriage. Right. Am I not going to be put on trial for murdering my baby? Exactly. Because I might have overdone it with alcohol and you could always point to that as the cause of why I miscarried, even though that has nothing to do with the reason for the miscarriage. I mean, at which point does this get taken to such an absurd conclusion that women who don't even know they're pregnant, who then end up going to the hospital because they find out they're pregnant only through miscarriage, then get brought up in charges because they did something to quote unquote murder their fetus by not living a lifestyle that is conducive to pregnancy, which they don't know is not conducive to pregnancy because they don't know they're pregnant, or are all of us who are between the ages of 12 and menopause supposed to live our daily lives right. not eating um, raw meat or not um, drinking wine or not eating sushi or all the things that you're not supposed to do or not eating brie, all the things that doctors tell us not to do when we're pregnant because, God forbid, we might get pregnant um, and not know it until after we miscarry. It becomes a complete police state on women's whole autonomy. It's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's so absurd. It sounds to me like this is something that nobody thought through. No. 
because they don't care. They really don't care about the women. It's no. all about. It's all about. And it's a p- complete misunderstanding of how pregnancy works. A complete misunderstanding of biology. A, yeah. Like it's beyond incomprehensible to me how crazy it is. I mean, as I said, most normal people who are not not normal, but most people who are pregnant don't unless they're doing IVF or really under the supervision of a doctor trying to get pregnant, which is not most people, don't know that they're pregnant until they miss their period. And for people who don't keep specific diaries of when their last period was, they don't even know when that is. And a lot of people aren't regular. It's not every 26 to 28 days for a lot of people. So it's just, you know, this is what happens when when guys pass legislation. Um, they don't know the first thing about women's bodies. I feel like those legislators need sex ed. Forget the kids in school. You need to give the entire Alabama State Senate a sex education class. I, I, I think we end on that note for abortion. I support that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I guess what we're salty about this week is if we weren't salty about the past couple things, um, pretty much for me, Ben Carson in that budget proposal, he is proposing changes to the 2012 Equal Access Rule which would allow discrimination against homeless transgender people seeking shelter. And so the access rule was meant to, quote, ensure shelters and programs do not discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. So uh, this is just a continuation of the Trump administration's assault on transgender and LGBTQ rights. I don't understand what the problem here is. Like, what's the problem? Like, you, you, you can't have housing because you're transgender? Because uh, if you, I guess, look too much like a man and you're going into a woman's shelter or women's housing, that that could be... It's just opening the door just for discrimination. I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is just... Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just... How many women, the transgender community, the entire LGBTQ community, um, and not just transgender... Um, racial minorities, religious minorities, how much more can people take and how many more entities can this administration try to discriminate against? It's really just absurd to me. I don't even know what's left for them. It, it, and, and then the National Center for Transgender Equality, their executive director slammed the proposed changes as, quote, heartless, a heartless attack on some of the most vulnerable people in our society, which is exactly to your point. Pretty much all the vulnerable people in our society are being. I don't understand it. It's it's just this complete assault and everything. Um, which brings me to Mitch McConnell, who I am salty about. Um, not just today, not just this week, but every day. As you recall, Emily, you probably do. Mitch McConnell back in 2016 decided he was not going to join Barack Obama and do a bipartisan condemnation of Russian election interference because he thought that might um, hurt Donald Trump's campaign. Um <laughs> <laughs> so are Republican chances in the Senate. Well, Mitch McConnell now is refusing to pass legislation that would strengthen um, our uh, electoral system against attacks from Russia. And I find that interesting because a member of his own caucus, Marco Rubio, of the great state of, what is it? Florida. Florida. Correct. Um, not Florida, apparently, no, Florida. but Florida, um, said that the Russians, in fact, did try to uh, penetrate elect- election systems in Florida. Florida, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And... What I don't understand is how much more evidence do we need? We have a Mueller report that says the Russians did it. We have members of his own caucus. And Mitch McConnell says, yeah, the Russians interfered, but I'm not going to do anything about it. You know why? Because if so help me God, the Russians can help me cheat and get to more victories in 2020, why stop them? So once again, Mitch McConnell proves that he cares nothing 
about this country and all he cares about is winning, which we've always known about Mitch McConnell. I mean, he couldn't care less. Merrick Garland was a great example of that. Um, it's all about the wins. It's all about the politics. It's never about the policy with Mitch McConnell. And that's fantastic if you're the chairman of the RNC, but it's not so fantastic if you are um, somebody who is the leader of the entire Senate and not just your party in the Senate. So I don't understand. I do understand. I mean, I understand it quite clearly. Mitch McConnell couldn't care less. And frankly, Oh, he cares about keeping his wife's job. He cares about keeping his wife's job. Um, but even if his wife weren't around because she, you know, look in fairness to Elaine show, she was qualified. She'd had that job under other presidents, but it was very savvy of, of the president of Donald Trump to put Elaine Cho in there just to keep Mitch McConnell further in line. But I don't even think it's Trump. I don't think McConnell needs his wife to have that job to be kept in line. I think McConnell couldn't care less if the Russians interfered in 2020 to help Republicans win. All to the good for for Mitch McConnell because he gets to keep his job as a Senate Majority Leader. So this is the same Mitch McConnell, by the way, who said he's if, if a Democrat wins in 2020, he's going to continue the obstruction. So as long as he's majority leader. So, I mean, again, Mitch McConnell is just like a toxin on the body politic. And I can't think of a worse person this week, and that even includes Donald Trump. He's just awful because Trump is Trump, and Trump doesn't even know any better because Trump's whole life is all about, you know, gaming the system. But Mitch McConnell does know better, and he's doing this anyway. He's the most cynical, self-serving politician in Washington. He's a complete cancer on the body politic. And the tragedy of... Life in Washington is that long after Donald Trump is gone, Mitch McConnell will still be there. And so for the sake of our nation, I hope he retires soon or that the great state of Kentucky retires him. Um, because I don't mind other Republicans, if the Republicans stay in office, I don't mind them being, um, obviously, whoever the next Senate Majority Leader is. But I just think he's done so much to completely screw um, our political process and so venal and so just self-serving about it that Mitch McConnell, you have made me salty for probably the millionth time this year. And it's only, it's not even June yet. Excellent. Well, I think, I think that's our episode next week. I have an exciting story, story for you about why I think I maybe have become a New Yorker. Oh, we'll save that for next week. Okay. I am going to try to get rid of this hangover by then. (laughs) It may be gone. It may be gone. I'm not sure. Um, it's my son's birthday and Memorial Day, so um, I will um, probably have some good stories about that if he is asking for things that no seven-year-old should be asking for, so we'll see where it goes. And um, that's it. So thanks. We'll see you guys next week.